Welcome to As We Live, a podcast aimed at helping you connect to the living God. Hi, I'm Lyle Martin, and today I am here with Steve Stutzman, and we have a guest in the studio here with us. We got Bill Weeb from Canada, and um, he is one of the teachers at the Land of Promise conference that we put on, and uh, he's here to share with us and and, uh, learn to know him a little bit better. So yeah, Bill, what do you got for us? Well, just the fact that I would be here is uh, already somewhat of a miracle if I think back in my life. So, yeah, I'll kind of just share a little bit as to what I'm doing here. Uh, Today I am involved with a ministry here, Straight Paths, with Lyle and Steve, and uh, I am part of the teaching team. Um, We go around uh, the United States. Uh, We've been all over the place, and we... Uh, to do this conference that's called Land of Promise. and So that's basically what I do today. My wife and I both do this, and we've been doing this since the beginning when uh, Land of Promise started and somewhere in 2012. Uh, that's, that's kind of what I do today, and we'll probably talk about that um, some more here yet. But how this whole thing started, um, as, I, as Lyle talked about, the fact that I do come from Canada, it was probably in about 2008, that a friend of mine um, went to something similar to this in North Carolina. He went to a Take Back Your Life. And as it worked out, he was planning on going with a friend of his, but that friend ended up not being able to go as his wife was expecting a child and somehow um, (laughs) got into the idea that I would go with him. And that's actually how the whole thing started. I not even really knowing or understanding what it is that I was walking into. I went to North Carolina to a Take Back Your Life, and it was there that I encountered God in a very, very different way. Something there shifted a lot of my thinking, a lot of my understanding as to who I was, um, what my identity was, and a lot of those things really changed. And wow. Um, yeah. So at that point in time, Things really, really shifted, and so to the point where um, I went back home, flew back home, and I started talking to my wife about this whole thing. Of course, she knew I was going there. I went by myself, but um, I, what I had found there, I really wanted for her to have because, you know, I, I did realize kind of how messed up I really was, or we were, and even in our marriage and all these things. Not that I wasn't a believer. I had been born again already before that, but... Um, not understanding really why or what I was supposed to be doing. And so, anyways, I really wanted that for Sharon. I wanted that for my wife, Sharon. And I, uh, so I basically promised her no matter what we had to do, somehow, some way, we were going to go back to this. And that's what we ended up doing. And, wow, from there, I mean, that, that time when we went, we had the opportunity to sit down with Steve. Um, he took some time out of his day. They lived there at the time, and... And just spent a day with us, and we just talking, and uh, and coming up with the idea of them coming way up north, and they ended up coming up there, and and so the journey begins. I mean, um, it was it was something that, wow, it it really really did change our lives to the point where, <laughs> one day when many many years later, or that was like in '08, um, I was asked actually, wow, do you know Steve when we would have when the Grand Prix we went he. They came up to Grand Prairie 
I think that was 2010, but I'm not sure. Okay, so at some point they came up there, and he actually asked me if I would be willing. I was a pastor in a church, um, so I wasn't, <laughs> I did know how to speak in front of people and teach somewhat or whatever. So I went there and just did maybe one or two sessions. I think it's all I did. Just got involved, and uh, so we did that. We uh, we got involved. That's where it really started, and then later, of course, this uh, the land of promise was birthed. And well, I remember I, that, I Bill. I remember right you stuff. coming and to a so today, uh, take back your life what we do seminar and sitting. I still remember where you sat. Work with a lot of people. <laughs> you and the guy that was with you. And it was a, a pretty interesting thing to me. Then when you came from, back and started talking, you and your wife uh, started talking about the community that you came from. Um, I was very intrigued by that, did not have a lot of knowledge of where you were from or what was going on up there. So traveling up through there, uh, the first time was quite a quite an experience for me. You You grew up in an old colony church in La Crete. Alberta. So tell me a little bit about Old Colony. What does Old Colony mean? Well, first off, I, um, not that I ever really was a member of it, but growing up in that, my parents were, um, we didn't even as little children really have to go very often. I don't know exactly what Old Colony, all I know is it is, um, wow. Um, to me, they spoke a language that I did not understand. They mostly was done, talked to, I speak a low German language. The Crete, the community is a Mennonite community, and everyone there speaks that language. But in church, they still, they would speak a high German um, and read out of a, I believe it is the Martin Luther Bible. Um, and so they, they would read out of that, which I did not, I did not understand that. So they had this kind of, an old colony church is, wow, where do I even begin? It It's... To me, it was very dark. It was something that I did not understand at all. There, w- I did not understand the language. I did not understand where they were coming from. But it had a bunch of rules as far as um, how you were supposed to look, how you were supposed to act, how you, these things. And you were, um, I, man, yeah. Well, well, go back to this thing about children not going to church. What, what's with that? I mean, like where, where I grew up. If the church doors were open, we were supposed to be in it, you know, and like in a lot of the Amish communities, they only have church every other Sunday, but when they have church, you got to be there. Right. Well, so probably my parents, my parents wouldn't have been quite as strict on maybe some of that. I don't know if we were supposed to be or not, but I mean, we were a family of 12 and just simply not everybody got in a vehicle and drove that far. Um, And so... as children, there were very, very, very little youth. There was a, there was basically a bunch of adults sitting there. There were some youth that would often sit way in the back. And to me, it was just something that I did as a duty. There was something about it that made me feel like, oh, I had, to comp- I had done something for God or whatever it was. That's kind of what it felt like to me. But as far as what their beliefs are, I, I believe originally, if I go through history on what Old Colony was, and by the way, my experience is not everybody's experience. I, I want to make that very clear because I've also talked to other people that grew up in Old Colony and they have a very different experience. But they have, their original start would have actually, if I look at history, their original start sounds like they were on the right track. But when the community of La Crete, which I believe would have, there would have mostly been just Old Colony there when it first 
was birthed there when the community started. By this time, they had walked away from many of the things that actually the history would record as to what Old Colony believes. So they had, to me, I don't know that there was a lot of people that were actually even born again in that church. I am not saying necessarily that there was nobody there, but to me there was very little life in that part. And so I'm not sure if I'm answering that properly. To me, it was just something you did. It was a Sunday morning thing. We went there. They would sing some songs. The man would go up there and speak and then sing another couple songs and go home. And I don't know exactly what it is. I I mean, I I can read it now what they intend. They obviously wanted to believe in God. There was a fear of God. There was these things they believed. But the life and that there was life or anything in it just would have never been there as a child. I would have never felt that at all. And I never became a member. Um, by the time I was 15 or 16 years old, I really had nothing to do with it. I moved away from a community where it wasn't, they didn't even have old colony anymore. And there was nothing inside of me that long back for that. So the town of La Crete is about how many people? Well, or now the, the it, is, it is really growing. It is big families and it is really booming um, by now. But still, um, I would say there's probably in the town, there's probably 5,000 people possibly by now it's it's really okay. grown and then the community it's a russian mennonite community um there's probably 18 20 000 people that's surrounding like it's it's gotten to be fairly big but they are really out in no man's land if you and and that it. would be something like 90 percent 98 yeah the percentage there's now some people that have moved in over over the years teachers they would bring in actually trained teachers coming from schools and they would come into the community maybe in banks or some of that, there would be certain people that would come in. But in general, even today, I would say there's at least 90% of the people would still be Russian Mennonite. Interesting. So this is a, this is a group of people with Russian Mennonite background. Um, most of them would have their roots in Holland or down in that mm-hmm. part of the world and had gone up into Prussia or yep. Poland and then were invited in about the time just before this country became a nation here in the U.S., would have been invited over into the Ukraine by Catherine the Great of Russia. And they went over there and set up um, some colonies there. And basically, the first piece of land they were given, they moved on that land and became very, very prosperous but ran out of land. And so they were given more land over by another town and the original piece of land became known as Old Colony. Now, in today's world, it is considered a um, denomination, almost, right. among the Russian Mennonite. Right. But mm-hmm. originally, it was a location. And so there's another group that's over by Sommerfeld, and they become known as Sommerfelders, and another mm-hmm. one that's over by Berktal, and they become known as Berktalers. And so today, those are denominations among this group of people. There's. Do you have any idea how many Russian Mennonites there are in Canada? Wow. No, I. There are a lot. I know Manitoba. I know quite a few in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, even British Columbia. There, they are all over. I don't actually know. I don't either, for sure. I know there's a couple hundred thousand there. Oh, yeah. There's a hundred thousand in Mexico, right. and then uh, Belize has the highest percentage per capita of any country in the world of Mennonites, and most of those are Russian Mennonite. And then, and then Bo- you also have Bolivia mm-hmm. and Paraguay, yep. large groups of them there. And as I understand now, the still today, the biggest community of Russian Mennonites, the biggest Mennonite community anywhere in the world is actually in Germany. 
with a whole bunch of them that came back out of Russia um, since the fall of the Iron Curtain. So that's kind of an interesting <clears throat> little piece of history. Right. But it's really interesting to have somebody uh, from your background as part of this because you always bring a really interesting perspective to a lot of the things that we are trying to deal with and teach. And it's been really, really interesting. It's been a blessing. <clears throat> To be able to be in your home up there in Peace River and to get to know you and your wife and your children up there and uh, just to get to know a lot of the people there and in Mexico and Kansas, Seminole, Texas, so on, has just has really been a blessing. But I got a question for you, a couple of questions here for you. Why do you keep coming back <laughs> to Land of Promise seminars? Wow. So to me... Um, when, when I actually first went to the first, and it was the Take Back Your Life, something inside of me felt like this whole thing was missing among the Russian Mennonites. And something inside of me became alive, and I felt that if God set me free in that area, any time I have the opportunity to go somewhere and bring that kind of a life or that kind of freedom, um, I'm willing to do it. And so we travel and travel and travel, and I'm just willing to do it because even in our community, as much as there was two of us, two of us that went one time, and today there are many, many people that live completely different lives because they were impacted by what we've done and what Steve's done as they've come through there. And that's why, literally, just why I would do it. To me, it's just, I, 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 it feels like I can't stop right now just simply because... I would want other people to find freedom because I lived there all my life and I saw what everybody else had or what the, how they were living and it's just not what God had designed for them. And so if I can go back there and just do that, I'll do it. I don't know if that's good enough, but that, that's just to me. It, what would uh, you say is the biggest change that happened in your life? So for me personally, probably was for the first time, and I'm not. it's not that somebody hadn't probably said it before or did that, but would have been literally understanding who I was as a son of God. That just, that that was probably the greatest thing that impacted me would have been just, I never realized that how much God valued me and why he would have sent his son to die on a cross. It wasn't just because I was this terrible person. It actually was because he loved me and he saw value in me. And so that, that really, really would have been a big thing. Then the other thing would be, um, the whole idea of how, how God sees us, you know, body, soul, and spirit, that there's this three, there's this, there's a part of me that even when that messes up, that's not how God sees me. There's a different part. So emotionally, people are wrecked. People are messed up. And that's part of why I see, keep coming back is to see people healed from that. And even though I was a wreck and I was like, you talked about, you can remember me coming in there um, into this conference a lot of me was, I didn't have a lot of emotion and a lot of these things there. And just to know that those are my emotions, that's not who how God sees me. Those are things that are going on in my life and he wants them changed because it's not who I am. But my create, who I am is I am living in the spirit now. I, he made me a new creation. I am a new creation. And those old things are just things that are driving me the wrong way. And I don't need to follow them. And so that's probably some of the, 
the freedom that I found. I don't have to be an angry person. I don't have to be carry bitterness and resentment and feel rejected by everybody and do all these things. So that's, yeah, that's part of, I guess, what has really, really changed me from that. Um, and that's why I do. That's why I continue to go back. I want other people to find that. Well, being a, being a good Canadian <laughs> and a good Mennonite, of course, you uh, used to play a lot of hockey and Absolutely. were a hockey coach for a while and would go to these fights and hockey games would break out. Um, what would you say, and you, you had some boys that were really into mm-hmm. hockey scene too. What would you say when you came back the first time, what was your boy's response to you? Like, would they look at you and say, dad has lost his marbles or what, what was their, what was their response? What did they see? My children at that time, all three of them, we have a daughter and two boys. Um, all three of them were very, very intrigued by it. And that, see, I have to, I have to believe that that was a God thing. I don't know how else to put it, because to me, um, something, they, they really were interested, at that point, more interested than what my wife was, <laughs> uh, in the beginning. She, she was kind of and struggling. We had many struggles, but she, she struggled with that. The boys, on the other hand, are, and and my daughter, loved when I would sit down and tell them what things the things that God was doing in my life and what had changed and how I would see things. And I, I just spoke to them about some of the things that I had learned there. And they were actually intrigued by it. So even today, my, the only one that has not gone to the conference and yet really loves what we do, supports my family, fully supports what we do. Today, as we travel, we do all this, they understand why we're doing it. And they fully agree. They're fully on board. Um, two of them have been to the conference, and my oldest one has not just simply for time and work and all these kind of things. He still says he will, and I'm counting on that. So, But he really loves what we do. So I would say they were very positively impacted. Today, um, I still believe the reason they do what they do, they do not, they've never, ever walked in rebellion of anything that we've done. And I'm, yeah, I'm somewhat proud of that, but they just have never, they've never fought against what we do in that sense at all. So I don't remember if we said exactly where you live. You're in Peace River up there. And for people who might not know where that is, how far above the United States is it? Mm. If you're going to drive from, let's say, Montana north. Well, okay. So where where I am now, is not, it's not, and roads obviously have, are improving. It used to be roads weren't that good. So traveling time, well, eight, I think to get into the U.S., you'd probably be looking at somewhere like 12 hours of driving just to get out of Alberta from where we're at now. It was okay. further when I, where I grew up, La Crete, where I grew up and was all my life, was there till the last 12 years I've been in Peace River now. Um, that was, I mean, back in the day, I remember when there were still just gravel roads and how to get out of there, and it was a long way to go. Like, uh, yeah, you're looking at another four hours further north. So we are very close to the Northwest Territory border from where I, where I would have grown up. It's only three hours or whatever to get out of Alberta back uh, up into the north. So that's a long way. Peace River is now three, about three hours. We have a ferry to cross. Uh, if we can cross it, then, it, yeah, you're looking at about three and a half hours. And if we, when the ferry is shut down, then you have about four hours. Did, did people travel out of that area a good bit? Like for you to get on a plane and fly to North Carolina, was that a big deal? Or oh, was yeah. That- so that... Yeah, so it gets you, you're looking at, from where we did it then, now you're looking at about an eight-hour drive just to get to the, an airport where we could fly out of. 
So it's very far up there. And that's kind of what the whole idea was. The Mennonites wanted to separate themselves from the world. And that's why they chose a, a land like very productive land. Like it's it's good land. And that's where they were. And they were very, um, wow. They, I mean, they just prospered. They prospered and they did crops and they farmed and cattle and everything, whatever they did. Well, that's where they're at. Well, that's interesting. Well, that's going to be it for this podcast. Next time we're going to come back with Bill again and we're going to be talking about some other things. So tune back again next week. Thank you for listening to As We Live. To submit questions, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at As We Live Podcast. Mm-hmm.